0: Amen. It's good to see, always good to see your smiling faces here at this church. It's a blessing. It's always a blessing coming up here because this is a, just a wonderful family of God. And God bless you. Um, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we, we just love you today, Lord, and every day. It's always special coming through these doors because we get to have kind of a a special time of fellowship with you. And we thank you for that and a special kind of fellowship with each other. And you you uplift us and you encourage us. And we just pray today that you would speak to us because only your words can change us. Only what you offer can make us better and make us whole. And I pray that these words that are spoken today come from you and that you direct it into each heart and you know the need of the heart. And I pray that you will achieve what you set out to do and that hearts would be open and decisions would be made today for you. And we we just love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. It's kind of interesting. I was thinking about the future, and yesterday I was at work, and we had to go pick up some food, and I went to Martinez, and Martinez, they had some kind of celebration, praise God for the celebration, and then they had booths out there, and people were selling their wares, and I walked by a booth, and a person had a flyer, And I looked at the flyer and it says, Psychic Reader. And for more info, call. And they had a $10 special. And what were they really looking to achieve? They knew that there was a a need and a desire for people to really want to know the future, want to know what's around the corner. And we want to know, don't we? And wouldn't it be great if we did know the future? And I tell you, if anybody in here kind of believes that they know, I just want to just plant this seed. If they really did know, they would be wealthy. You wouldn't be able to get to speak to them because everybody would be coming to them. Because everybody would want to know. All kind of things. Should my son marry this person or that person? Should I take this job or that job? Should I play this lottery ticket? Should I go to Tahoe this weekend? Should I do this? Should I do that? And they would make a million dollars. What mate? And I know Cameron doesn't want to hear this, but just think if, if he knew the future, it would be like, let me pick this person because I know the future and this person is going to be the perfect person. Well, I kind of think he did pick the perfect person with Katrina. Because, like you said, Dean, the Lord picked. And, you know, in our business, we have a kind of an interesting thing that we do in the car business. Because we sometimes have a lot of people on the lot that walk on the lot and you kind of choose. And it's called an up because they come up on the lot. Now, wouldn't it be great if I could look at them? And I can determine which up is going to buy me today. <laughs> I would be the man. Look how wonderful that would be. I would be able to say, OK, I know they're going to buy. Oh, they're going to buy a Corolla and the profits going to be this. Well, this person's going to buy a Land Cruiser. I'm going to take them. <laughs> we would love to predict the future, but we can't. Can we? It's, it's just and you know. I read something that was really interesting. It says there was a person, I think his name was Lee Forrest, who was the inventor of some kind of ray tube back in 1926. And he says, theoretically, television may be feasible, but I consider it an impossibility, a development which we should waste little time dreaming about. (laughs) TV. He's not even close to being right. Then there's Thomas Watson. He is a pretty big guy. He says, I think there's a world, for, a world market for about five computers. <laughs> 1943. And then there was a recording company expert, they called him. He says, why don't, we don't think the Beatles will do anything in, the, in their market. In their market, guitar groups are on their way out. The future. Isn't that unbelievable? Don't we want to know? I mean, don't you want to know? And I want to just tell you today that God wants us to know. That's beautiful to me. As I was studying the Word of God in this subject, it was beautiful. Because God does want us to know the future. He doesn't want us to actually dream about the future and wonder what's going to happen. He wants us to know what's going to happen. And I wish I would have known what was going to happen on Thursday. Because I came to the Bible study. Like I do on a lot of Thursdays. And Sylvia was given a message. And the first half of the message you ladies know is one message. And then there's like two messages in our messages. So at 1030, we get another. And she said, this is the message. And then she started reading my verses. My verses. Because they were for my message. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Sylvia, you you can't do that. And she's back there playing with the kid. And I wish you'd come on out here and stand right here, Sylvia, because I want to give her a piece of my mind. And she has no idea what's going on. You took my message. And she's reading the verses, and I'm thinking, how can you read the same verse? She went to Revelation 1 and started reading, and then she started highlighting verses that I highlighted. And then she mentioned, and we're going to talk about what we see and how important. I'm thinking, that's the title of my message. (laughs) So I thought as I'm sitting there, Lord, do you want me to give that message? And he brought me to tears. He says, it's not her message. It's not your message. It's my message. And I want you to give my message because my message is important. And I know the need. And I know what people require. So. Let's go. Revelation chapter one. Because I really like us to understand something that's very beautiful in these verses. Because it talks about in Revelation one. The first verse, this is the beginning, this is like Lord is saying, this is the purpose of Revelation, Because that's what the introduction is always in that first first chapter, especially the first paragraph, kind of gives you a good synopsis. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is he, and blessed is the one who reads the words of this pros- prophecy. They're saying, I'm blessed because I get to read them. And I take an honor to that, that I get to read the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it. That means you. You're blessed if you hear it. But there's a responsibility that we take it to heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. I want you to think about that. My first point, just a simple point, is God wants us to see the future. These words are clear. He says, this is a revelation. John went to Patmos. We know where he went. And he was there for a year, and Sylvia gave a great message on that. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about revelation. We're just going to highlight a couple things because we can't spend the time. But I want you to know that that first statement is huge. That this is a revelation that Jesus said to John, I have something I want you to hear. I have a message for you to show my bond servants what must soon happen. Why? I'm reading this and I'm blessed by it tremendously because God is saying, I want you to understand the picture. I want you to see what's happening. I want you to understand what's going to happen in your life. I'm not just arbitrarily doing things. And he didn't arbitrarily do things. Remember, he came to Abraham and he said to Abraham, in one year, you're going to have a son. And this son is going to bless many nations. These things are going to happen. He said, this is going to happen. He didn't arbitrarily say it. He said, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to have a son. And we know it is his wife. She laughed. And he said, why are you laughing? Well, the reason she was laughing is like, it doesn't make sense what you just said. I'm almost 100 years old. How am I going to have a baby? But God wanted them to know what was going to happen. Think about Lot. Think about how the angels came to Lot. They came to him. Why? Because God sent them. It's time for you to get out of this place because what am I getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to destroy it. And even went further than that. He says, don't look back. He didn't just say leave. He says, leave. But there's a consequence if you look back, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. And who looked back? Lot's wife. She looked back. But God said, don't look back. He said, this is the future. I'm showing you the future. But you get to choose. She looked back. And just like God said, pillar of salt. Revelation 119 is really, really great. Because it says, therefore, write these things. He says, write them down. The things which you have seen, because... Didn't he see some things prior to that? He did see some things also, and he's seeing some things right then. It says write them down, what you have seen and the things which are it says, what happened? What's presently happening? I want you to write it down, not just what's going to happen, but what happened, what's happening now. And then he says, what will take place after these things? I want you to write down all of it. Why? Why? Have you thought about it? Why? Because he wants his children to see. You ever been driving down the freeway? And if you're a really, really good driver, you're looking past. You're looking forward. Because if you see red lights, if you see a problem, isn't it wise to take the exit or do something? To at least slow down. But if you're not paying attention to what's in front of you, you could actually get into an accident or put yourself in a bad situation. This is like God saying, in the future, I want you to see what's happening, what's going to happen. I want you to pay attention to it. So he told him to say, to write all the things that were going to happen. And then in Revelation 20, you don't have to go there because we're going to go there in a minute. It says, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of Of this book because the time is near. Behold, I am coming soon. He says, write these things. You know, when I was reading a gentleman who was talking about these verses and he was talking about, you know, I have a Bible that has a commentary in it. And he was just talking about what God intended with the with the book of Revelation. He said the book of Revelation unveils the unveils the major episodes of our future. I don't think you heard that. Revelation unveils the major episodes of our future. God has everything carefully planned and perfectly timed. The book is saying, in effect, get this: Revelation is saying, in effect, God knows what He's about. We may be complete. We may comp- not complete, completely understand what's going to happen. But we can be assured that God has the future firmly in hand. God sees the picture clearly. But what's a blessing to me is he wants me to see it. And he wants you to see it too. That's what revelation is. If you think about revelation, the first four chapters is talking about what has happened. What's happening. But the remainder of the book is talking about the future. What's going to happen. And I really want to know what's going to happen. I really want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to wake up every day and get into my car and drive arbitrarily and go to work. And I have it planned out. But then I see things start to fall apart maybe. Maybe we can't pay the bills. Maybe something's happening. Maybe we have a boss. Maybe we have a spouse. Maybe we have issues. All kinds of situations that are clouding our mind that we, really, we don't understand what's happening. And God says, I have it all together. Think about the revelation. Think about the future. I want you to have a perspective that's different. If you want to put all these things in perspective... If you want to understand the economy, if you want to understand your relationships, if you want to understand your life and the trials and the difficulties and the problems and the issues, I want you to understand there's a backdrop to this. There's a future that I want you to see. So Revelation says, I have a future that I want you to pay attention to and I want you to see. So I'm going to lay out my plan. I'm going to lay it all out for you so that you can see. Not like these card people do, because they don't tell you what's going to happen. They come up with some kind of general things. You're going to get married to a guy who's dark and handsome sometime in the future. And it's going to be a sunny day. And you're going to be happy that day. Okay, well, God didn't say that. In the word of God, in Revelation, he doesn't say that there's going to be something that might happen. No, it says these things that will happen. I'm telling you what is going to happen, and this is how it's going to be. And I want you to write it all out. What you've seen and what you've heard. Because I want my people, please understand this. The reason he did this, because he wants us to see it. That's why that whole subject matter of do we see it is kind of the title of my message. What do we see today? What do you see today? When you look out in the horizon, when you get up and look at your life, when you look around, what do you see? What do I see? Do I see my troubles? It's good to see them. Do I see my problems? It's good to recognize them. Do I see my deficiencies? It's wise to estimate them. Do I see situations? It's wise to be able to recognize things and understand things and evaluate things. But is that what we see only? Because he didn't give us revelation for us to stop seeing at that point. He gave me revelation because he wanted to reveal to me, to you, the end of the book, the story, how it's going to turn out. The marriage is going to be successful. You're going to win if you do these things. But he also says you're going to lose if you do these things. Like Lot's wife. He didn't make them keep their focus ahead. He didn't make them say, no, I'm not going to look back. She looked back. Lot didn't. But she did. And some of us are looking back. And God says, this is what will happen if you look back. If you don't do it this way, this is what's going to happen. So now that we we talked about what God's plan is, because God's plan is to reveal the future to each one of us. I think we got that point uh, that's clear. I I hope it's clear with everybody that God's intention, God's purpose, God's commitment, God's promise, God's everything. He just loves the fact that I want you, my children, to see the picture. I want you to see the future. I want you to understand it. That should be clear. Second point. What is the future? The Lord shows us what will happen. Because don't just promise it. Tell me. Don't just say it's going this is what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Go to chapter 21. Because we need to see, don't we? I don't want to just hear that I can see it, that I might see it, that it's coming. What is coming? What are you going to do? What is the future? What is the future? Chapter 21, he says, Then I saw. John is saying, Then I saw, because the Lord says, Write these things that you see and write these things that you hear. And he saw it. He said, I see a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among men. I like hearing that. I need to see that, don't I? Is that something we don't need to see? You tell me something that's better than that. He says at the end of the journey, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new you. And a new me. And he says. That the tabernacle of God. Is among men. And he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself. Will be among them. How do we not. Hear those words. And kind of crumble in our. Knees. I think sometimes Satan is so good at deceiving that when we read words like that, they don't affect us. What did you say, God? I want them to know something. I want them to know that you're going to be my people. I want you to see that right around the corner of this devastating illness or situation or marriage or job situation or health situation. I want you to see something. I want you to see the future. I want you to see the end. I want you to understand that I, God, will dwell with you, that will hang out with you, that will sit with you. Can can you imagine? Because we couldn't see God. In these bodies, but we're going to have different bodies. He says a new earth and a new heaven. You're going to have a new body, too. I'm going to have a new body. And that body is going to be able to look God in the eye if I'm capable of it. Because I don't think I will be. Because I'm going to fall down on my face before him and say, unworthy, unworthy, just like a leper. I'm unworthy to look at you. I'm unworthy to be here in your presence. I'm unworthy to be in this situation. I'm unworthy that you're my God with all that I've done. I don't deserve this. But he says, you will be with me. And he doesn't stop there. He says, I want you to see the picture clearly. He didn't just give me some generalities. He says, I also will wipe every tear from their eyes. What do you mean you will wipe every tear? All your sorrows, I will put in the thing that's on your computer, you know, that little trash thing. (laughs) I will drag it and dump it. And you'll never cry again. You'll never be sad again. You'll never worry again. You will never be bothered again. You'll never be hurt again. You'll never feel any pain again because it will be all new. You'll be new. This is a life. Honestly. Honestly. How can we see that and be the same? And there'll be no longer any death Any crying, any pain, none, zero, gone. But honestly, why would God write Revelation? Why would he make it a point to say, write all these things that you see and you hear? Why? It crushed me when I thought about it. Because he said, Coop, because I want you to get it. I want you to understand it. I want you to see it. I want you to see it because you need to see it. Don't we need to see it now? Look around. What do we see? We see a world falling apart. We see drugs. We see people out of control. We see men marrying men. And pretty soon it's going to be all kinds of things marrying each other. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm just letting you know that God predicted that. He says, we're going to keep sinking lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to take you and I'm going to remove you. And it's going to be all over and there's going to be a judgment. And the picture is finally done. He says it's going to happen. And throughout the scriptures, all the things God said would happen, happened. I'm going to send a son. He's going to die on the cross. He came, died on the cross. He's going to be resurrected. He's resurrected. He's resurrected. And he says, I, I want you to see it, though. I think he wants us to see it so badly because he knows if we see what will happen, it will help us to deal with what is happening. It will help us deal with what we're dealing with today. Sometimes I walk around the lot and there's just confusion and there's issues, there's all kinds of situations. And when I've had this perspective and I say, okay, I see you, Lord Jesus, coming. I see me sitting with you. I see us dining together. I see us loving you talking to me. I see you sitting with me unworthy and saying to me, isn't this great? You didn't think this was going to happen, did you? You didn't get it, did you? And I'm going to say, Lord, I could never have imagined it would be like this. And he says, I'm going to write it so that you do imagine it. I want to put the pressure on every single person here, a commitment to keep reading it over and over, to keep asking the Lord to show us that. Because if we don't see it clearly, won't we be distracted? Won't we be shifted? Won't we be turned into different directions and going like a ship bobbing up and down by circumstances of life because Satan's goal is to deceive us? to confuse us, to distort reality, and to discourage us. Why? Because he doesn't want us to see this. Oh, my God. What a picture. And he says, he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God and he will be my son. What do you see today? Would you walk through these doors seeing? What did I walk through these doors seeing? My car bill? My mortgage? My job? It's okay to see them. We need to look out a little further. If we want to be right with the Lord, if we want to rejoice, as the scriptures say. And be thankful, as the scriptures say and to cling to our Lord and have the right form of, frame of mind. Because one verse in First Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kind of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory, and honor. When? When Jesus Christ is revealed. What are you saying? He says, in this, this you greatly rejoice, though now, while a little while you have to suffer all kinds of griefs. He says, you're going through all these things, and having all these situations, all these problems, all these issues to deal with. He says, but rejoice. Why? Because I have the right perspective. I know the future. I rest in the future. I live in the future. I love the future. I meditate on the future. And now I have the right perspective. Now I can navigate right. And third point, we're going to go really quickly, is now that we see these things, what will happen? What should be our response? Now that I think, because we talked about it, right? We said God wants us to see the future. Okay, now we saw the future. A piece of it. A beautiful part of the future. We saw it, didn't we? A beautiful part of the picture of what God says your future will be in Christ. You will be a new creation. You will sit with me. We'll dine together forever and ever and ever and there'll be no tears, no hunger. Nothing bad's going to be in heaven. It's over. It's finished. It's done. It's over. I've won. Like Jesus said at the cross, on the cross before he died, it is finished. He says the same thing here. It's done. It's over. You're here. What should our response be? Christians, what should our response be? To be praising him continuously. And thanking him continuously and rejoicing continuously and resting in that truth continuously and believing that and knowing that and trusting that and living that and serving him, loving him, being part of this great Christian family with the expectation that heaven is right around the corner. Right around the corner. Just a second away. We don't even know right around. He says, be careful. Just like a thief in the night, I'm going to come when you least expect it. Well, When is that? Well, for some of us right now is that. Because we don't expect him right now. Well, just like that, twinkling of an eye, bomb, done, gone, it's over. We're in his presence. I just, you, you, it's unbelievable. Christians, how should we respond? Non-believers. Verse 20, uh, Revelation 21 says, but I think it's verse eight says, but the cowardly and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and immoral persons, the sorcerers and idolaters and all the liars, their part will, will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? The cowardly, the unbelieving. He says that, wait a minute, you don't just get to go to heaven just like Lot and his wife they said leave follow my instructions leave but don't look back we have instructions if you want to get to heaven it says you have to believe on the name of the lord jesus christ and you will be saved the ones who enter the kingdom are the ones that are saved the ones that have made the choice the ones that have followed the instructions the ones that have listened to his truth that he says this is how you get it there this is how you make it you choose me you give your life to me you say i confess i'm a sinner I'm a a person who has no right, no hope, nothing to bring to the table. But Christ brought it to the table and he died for our sins. He died so I would have life. He died so I would have fellowship with him. He died so I would have the future expectation and promise of heaven. He died so I would make it to heaven. But he said, just like Lot and his wife, you have to choose what to do. If you choose to accept me as Lord and Savior, your future is heaven. If you don't, the cowardly and unbelieving, the ones that say, I don't believe it, you're not going to make it. Why? Because you said, I don't want to go. I don't want to abide, obey him. I want to do my, my way. I want to go on my terms. And it says the dead are judged in Revelation 20. It says he saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And it says that he saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. There are books in heaven for those who like to read. But there's a couple books and there's one set of books that you don't want to be in. It says, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the dead in the Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Can you hear that again? Each person was judged based on what he had done. That's verse 14 or 13 of Revelation 20. And each person was judged based on what you had done, not good deeds. So that we're confused because good deeds don't save people because we can't do good deeds. Once we're saved, we have the ability to do good deeds because of Christ living in us. But it's not because of our good deeds. It's those who said, I believe. It's too easy, isn't it? People say that people don't get saved sometimes because they think that's too easy. I want to do something. But he says they were judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, this future that I talked about, God being with you, no death, no pain, no suffering. You don't get to go there. And it's not because of what Christ did. It's not because that was his future that he planned out and penned out for you. Because the reason he wrote the scriptures is so that each one of us would be able to choose where they go. The reason he came to Lot and Lot's wife is he didn't want them to be burnt up. He didn't want them to go to hell and die. But one looked back. One looked back because they said, I don't buy it. I don't believe. I'm not going to do it your way, Lord. And the last point is, ready or not, here I come. Are you ready? Ready or not, here I come. Because not based on us being ready or not, is it? Because He made us ready. He gave us this. And we've had it for thousands of years. This gospel has been preached for thousands of years. It's not a new Bible. And people reject it continuously. I don't want to buy it. I don't agree with it. It's not right for me. I don't buy that. I want to do something. I think all roads lead to heaven. I'm going to do it my way. I like my sin more. I'm not willing to confess that I'm a sinner. I'm not willing to give up my sins. I'm not willing to do what's necessary. No thanks. And the penalty is hell. The choice. Ready or not, here I come. Are you ready? And like in Matthew, how it says, "But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut." Are you ready? We need to be ready. Because Christ is coming. And when he comes. Are you ready? Have you made a decision to give your life to Christ? And if you have. Future. Let's keep our eyes on the future. So that we can navigate through this mud and muck that we're dealing with. So that we can be used by him in a mighty way. If we don't. Have that future expectation on the forefront of our minds. How can we serve him wholeheartedly? How can we rejoice? How can we be thankful? Because our perspective has been dimmed by the world's pains and sufferings and issues, which don't mean anything because this is not our home. This is not our final destination. We're heaven bound. I was reading a story about the legend of a swan and a a crane, and it says there was a beautiful swan, who was hanging out by the banks of the water, and the crane was waiting and seeking snails. And then it says this, the the swan, or the crane viewed the swan in a stupid wonder. And he says, where do you come from? And he says, I come from heaven, replied the swan. And where is heaven? He said, heaven, you never heard of heaven? Beautiful bird went on, to describe the grandeur of the eternal city, and she told the streets of gold and the gates of precious stones and all the beauty that was associated. In an eloquent terms, the swan sought to describe the host who live in the other world but without arouse, arousing the slightest interest on the part of the crane. The crane was not interested in the streets of gold and all of the beauty of heaven. Finally, the crane asked, are there snails there? Snails, repeated the swan, of course not. There are no snails there. Then said the crane, as he continued to search along the slimy banks, you can have your heaven. I want snails. And it just talks about how that's a real riveting truth how some people say, heaven? No thanks. I want my sin. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And I don't want to agree with the promises that are in this book. And even though heaven looks beautiful. No, thanks. My sin looks more beautiful. We've talked about it today about the future. We talked about what the future is because our God. The loving God, our Lord Jesus, His Son, He came down to heaven from heaven, because God said He wanted to save us and rescue us. He wanted to give us another shot. He wanted to make us whole. He wanted to give us another option of these dreary lives. He wanted to save us, to rescue us, to unchain us from Satan's. He wanted to make us whole. So He sent His Son, and that's been His plan. To rescue those who are willing. And then he maps out a strategy to do that. And he does it. And then he puts it on paper and shows it to us. This is what I've done. This is what I'm doing now. And this is what I'm going to do. And he tells us his plan. He says this is what the future is. But just like he says. Remember something. We talk about heaven. But I want you to know that if you look back. Or you say no thanks, you say snails, you say sin, you say no thank you, then you're going to go to hell. Why would God send people? He does not send anybody to hell. It's the choice. It's the button pushed. And he doesn't want. That's why he wrote out the plan so clearly, so eloquently. This is how it looks. This is what you can have. So Christians... Let's be uplifted by that. Let's be encouraged by that. Let's be blessed by that. and Let's keep our mind focused on that. And someone in here today that sees the contrast and says, wow, I would like that. You can have it. You can have heaven. You can have that destiny. That is available to you. Just like the, we're no different. I am no better than anybody in here. It's available to all. All we have to do is say to the Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I'm not right. I'm a sinner. I'm not whole. I am living a life that I don't like. I don't want my sin anymore. I want your salvation. I want you to come into my heart because I believe you paid for my sins. And I want to be free. I want to be whole. I want heaven. That's the choice that can be made today. Isn't that beautiful? So everybody, let's close our eyes. All of us, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Those that are Christian, let's pray that if there's somebody in here that really has been touched, that really sees the picture, that they're willing to say, yes, Lord, I want you today. If there's anybody in here today that says, yes, Lord, I want to go to heaven. I want to receive that that life that you are willing to give. Put your hand up and we'll pray for you. I'll pray for you today. Just put your hand up and put it back down. See you, brother. Anybody else? Isn't this great? That Lord just says this is welcome. I'm offering you heaven. It's available to you as a choice. Anybody here want to make that choice of heaven, or do you want to be like Lot's wife that says, "No, thank you. I'm going to look back and I'm going to go back to this life and I'm not willing to give up this life and I'm going to basically go to hell. Your choice. Anybody else here that says I choose heaven? I choose salvation. I see your hand up. Anybody else? I see your hand up. Anybody else? God's gift. God's promise. God's future. Anybody else? Lord Jesus, we thank these brave young men today, Lord, who made a decision that they will never regret for the rest of their lives because there is nothing better than having Christ in our hearts, in our lives. And we don't get just to have him today, but forever. And we praise you that you gave us the future. You showed it to us, your promises. We praise you that you care for us. And I pray that these three, Lord, that you would show them the life that you want them to live that you'd help them to see the life that you have available to them and that you would give them the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you and loving you. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help our eyes to be clear, to be untainted by this world and that our focus would be right and that heaven would be right there in in our vision so that we can have a life that truly glorifies you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving our souls. In your name we pray. Amen.